0: Masechet BeSa, thirty-five. We conclude today the fourth perek and begin the very last perek of Masechet uh, BeSa. The end of the pedek is um, a little bit complex and confusing unless you have this color outline. So with this, it'll be uh, hopefully every everything will, will be very clear. Uh, here's what we're discussing: uh, a thesis that we began to discuss yesterday it was a question asked by Dava and answered by Rav Nachman. And then Mozutra, the son of Rav Nachman, uh, uh, supported him. And the, the, the question is as follows: If you have unprocessed produce, uh, produce that you didn't dry out yet, you didn't bring into the house yet, uh, you didn't um, you, you put it in a pile for storage, uh, whatever needs to be ready. If it's not if it's not uh, that's not done yet, then you don't have to bring to the mama cell just yet, and therefore you could eat it. Uh, the rabbis say, don't have a meal uh, with it, but you can have a snack. Okay, so that's the rule everyone agrees with. Unprocessed produce can be eaten as a snack, unless, here's the question, if I designate it for Shabbat, then the question is, does that make it obligated like a meal? Because on Shabbat, since everything we eat on Shabbat is for enjoyment, and we're not just eating on on the road while on the way to work, and Shabbat, everything we eat is like a meal, therefore, the question is does it does it, does shabbat designation if i say i'm going to eat this unprocessed produce on shabbat does that make it prohibited to eat it as a snack and rav nachman said yes he agrees this is his thesis that's prohibited as a snack um, okay so namozutra his son came and said that our mishnah the mishnah in which the be eleizad uh, uh, really, as it was the author, uh, agrees with this because our Mishnah said that in a Shemitah year, let's go back and look at it so we'll all be on the same page. Um, the Mishnah said that, um, if someone is uh standing over his uh, dried fruit and he on of Shabbat and it's a Shavit and he says, I'm gonna eat this tomorrow, then it's not Mukseh anymore. Okay, so that the main thing we're learning from this is that uh, even if you just l- look at it and say verbal designation, uh, I'm going to use this on Shabbat, then it's not mukseh. That's the main thing we're learning. But on the side point, we learned from the fact that it says it's a shavuot year. What's the difference if it's a shavuot year or not? On the shavuot the year, there's no turoma and obligation at all because all the produce is free for everyone, which implies that if it were a, if we're not a shavuot each year, then it would be obligated in uh, in, in said, Why would that be? It's not finished yet. It's not, it's not ready yet. And the answer would be because he designated it for Shabbat. And here's a proof that designating, designating food for Shabbat makes it obligated for Shaviit. Um, that was his proof. Um, okay. Now we are going to reject that and say that, um, no, in fact, it's the verbal designation that made it obligated. Because after all, in the same Mishnah, it says that he says, I'm going to eat these. So how do you know that maybe if, even during the week, if he said, I'm going to eat these, even though they're not ready, maybe that would make it prepared, finish the process. And there that's why it's obligated in said Not because I, I designated it for Shabbat specifically. So that's what we're about to say. And we're going to uh, end up... Uh, saying, no, it's, uh, uh, that's not, so that's actually what we said just now uh, in the previous page. We rejected the proof that, because we said maybe it's just because of verbal designation. We're about to do is reinstate the proof and say that, uh, no, even taking, here's what we're about to say, even some taking something doesn't designate it if it can be returned. If I take some olives, we're about to show, um, and then I ended up not, end up not eating them, even though I was, it looks like I designated them for a meal, but I didn't eat them. And I decide to return them. So it can be returned and I don't have to get, bring my asset. So if even physically taking something doesn't de- designate it, then all the more so, verbal designation would not be make it obligated to to what uh, for my asset. And if so, then the only reason in the Mishnah why it is obligated in is obligated in Maased is because it is. Uh, Shabbat designated, and that uh, bring back, brings back the proof. Okay, so let's see this inside what we just said, and we're at the beginning of 35. I went too far. Okay lo kava right after all i can return the rest of it in the case when i can return the rest of it if i just first vers- verbally designate then certainly i could i return it and we know that the thinks that any time i even if i take produce and i'm going to plan to eat it but then i return it then it is not designated and i don't have to take my here's the mishnah we learned it from and hotels that and so if I take some olives from a vat, the vat is where it's being, it's getting ready for me to press it. It stays nice and warm in there so that I'll be ready. Uh, so in other words, it's unprocessed olives. And I take a few and uh, from there. If I take them and I dip them one by one in salt, so then I'm eating only one by one, that's a snack. So I'm allowed to do that, even though I didn't take ma'asir, because I could have a snack. But if I go and I take ten at a time and put salt on them, then I'm making a meal out of it. So then, chayav. So one by one is okay, but not a whole bunch adds another leniency, which is that if the, we're assuming that we're about to say that the person is Tameh. If the person is Tameh and he takes from a vat that's Tahod, then Hayav, because he's not going to be able to put it back. Once he takes it and touches them, he's going to make them Tameh. He can't put them back. Since he can't put them back, now he's showing that I'm going to eat all of them. So then, yes, then if you take a whole bunch of them, that is a meal. But however, if the vat is Tameh and he's Tameh, doesn't matter that he made them tame, he can put them back. So therefore, patur. In that case, he does not have to take maaser on them as long as he, even if he takes a whole bunch, and as long as he eats it one by one and puts the rest back, that's fine. Because he can put them put put them back. Now, this mishnah, we're just going to explain it, even though we just explained it already. What's the difference between these two cases? Whether it's tahor or tameh? The first case is where the vat is tahor, the person is tameh, he makes all this so he can't put it back. And the second case is where both are tameh, so that's why he can put them back. And so you see here that, according to the BLE, I said, even if I take something, I'm going to eat it. And then I say, no, I'm not going to eat it, and I put it back then it doesn't designate it as a meal and it's okay if he thinks that then all the more so if I just verbally say I think I'm going to eat those dates uh, over here and I don't and I don't eat them then for sure I don't have to bring ma'ased uh, and so therefore in our mishnah the reason why the mishnah says it's a shivit year which implies only in the shivit year I could eat them but in a, a non shavit year where ma'ased applies then I couldn't eat them why not if they're not processed it's because Shabbat them for, de- designating them for Shabbat that makes it uh, that makes it chayav. Um, okay, good. Now we reject this whole what we just said. Maybe our Mishnah also is where the um, the figs that are left out to dry are to and the person's is So in that case, I, he can't he can't put them back, and so maybe that's why uh it's uh the th- that's why it doesn't uh, it that's why it doesn't work there um and so maybe it's the same thing but you can't say that because over there i didn't even move them they're on the they're on the roof drying out i just look at them and say i think i'm going to eat those so if i don't eat them they're already returned i don't even have to return it. it's like uh you know buy something from a store and i didn't t- take it out yet uh, so there's no problem of returning it i didn't even take it yet so therefore that ca- this can't be and what we just said stands and so here's where we are in the in the um uh, outline, uh, we in fact uh, reinstate Morzutra. Zutra, so Morzutra Zutra proved his father Rav Nachman's point from our Mishnah, and indeed, the B Eliezer in our Mishnah agrees that when some produce is not processed, and it can be eaten as a snack, however, if you de- say I'm going to eat it on Shabbat, then even as a snack, you cannot eat it on Shabbat. Because Shabbat is like a meal and Shabbat designates it and therefore makes it like it's finished. And it's and it's um, you have to bring ma'asir. Okay, good. Now, Bi Bi And now we're going to bring an extra proof that, in fact, yes, Rabbi Eliezer would agree with this. Uh the follows his opinion somewhere else. Because he says that, tiruma, kav'a. let's say I take unprocessed produce and I don't have to bring tiruma. But let's say I do bring tiruma, I take tiruma, then I have to take ma'aser also. And because the act of taking tiruma makes it designates it. And if that's true, then all the more so Shabbat. Here we have the Mishnah that if I take tirumah, even though it didn't, it, it wasn't processed, the B'aliyazah says, I can still eat it adai. I can still have a snack from it, even though I took from it. Hachamim say, uh, uh, or said, the says, I cannot take it adai. In other words, once I take tirumah, now it's obligated in ma'asad. say, it's okay. And if he says that, for um, uh, regarding uh, to Then all the more so that will be true if I designate it for Shabbat, in which case I'm making a whole uh, meal out of it as a Shabbat meal is all right. So that's, um, that's the, uh, that's all for the BLEZ. And now we're going to get to part B, we're going to move to the banan, and we're going to try to argue that the banan in our Mishnah also agree. The banan in our Mishnah are the ones that said, it's not enough to just say, I'm going to eat these, I have to specify an exact area. Um, uh, from the, from the figs on the roof um, in order to be able to eat them so that they won't be mukse. So we're going to try this thing say that he's he, they agree. We're going to end up rejecting this that maybe it's only because of verbal designation. So you have to say exactly I'm going to eat the figs from here to here. And then it's not mukse, on Shabbat, these dried figs that are not quite ready yet. Oh, the reason why um, I can eat them on that Shabbat is because it's a Shvi'it year, and there's no law of taking mased in Shvi'it. However, if it was a non-Shvi'it year, where there is an obligation to take Shvi'it, then I will be prohibited from eating them on Shabbat. My me the Shabbat Why would I be prohibited? Oh, Basbi, that would be prohibited because it because it requires to take Maasid. Why is it required to take Maasid? They're not finished completing the process yet. They're not, they're not all, all dry yet. Must be that because I designate them for the for Shabbat. That designation of Shabbat, Shabbat makes them like I'm eating a, a a real a complete meal out of them, and that's what makes them now required to take maaser. So, can we prove that La'banan also would agree with the with the thesis above? No, maybe it's the verbal designation because he says I'm going to eat these. So that means that for him, it's prepared, it's ready. It finishes processing same question we asked before at the end of the last half if so, then why does it have to do there's not a Shabbat law even if it was a regular weekday, so why do you have to give me this complicated case, if you just want to tell me that Shabbat needs that um, to remove mukseh, I need a very specific designation. So then, just say the say the law about something else. Why do you have to complicate it with shivit and, and Shabbat? It must be that we we have to learn something new regarding the laws of Shabbat as they relate to shivit. So yes, there is something else we can learn that's new. I take table produce. I didn't take to the Ma'ama I said. And so I might have thought that because I take the Ruma Maaser before Shabbat and I'm not allowed to take it on Shabbat, maybe I would think that because of that, it's mukse on Shabbat. So this comes to teach me that if someone violates Shabbat and takes the Ruma or or Maaser on Shabbat, even though he's not supposed to, because he's Mitaken, he's taking something not usable, making it usable. Nevertheless, once if he does violate, then there's no prohibition of mukse on it. And that, that's what we can learn from our Mishnah, and therefore, there is no proof that a banan would agree with this thesis. So maybe according to the banan, it's because he made a verbal designation, that's why uh, it can no longer be be eaten as a snack. All right, now we're going to go back to the Beeliezer and show that um, from a law about the fact that someone can continue eating, uh, it looks like Shabbat does not designate. So we're going to try to prove that Abiyah does not agree with the thesis, even though we already concluded in A that he does, we're going to try to say maybe he doesn't, but we're going to save him in the end. So don't worry. So here we go. Um, Case number one is if I was eating a cluster of grapes and I was eating it outside of my courtyard. And the law is that while produce is still in the field, I'm allowed to stack on it. Once I bring it into my courtyard or house, then that's when the obligation to take Maser kicks in. So I started eating the cluster outside in the field, but I'm holding it, I'm I'm still eating it and eating it as I walk into my courtyard. So the Bieliezes says, you can finish it off, doesn't matter. In other words, going into the courtyard is not a problem. However, the Biyoshua says they have to stop eating right there and then because um, the courtyard establishes it as fruit, um, uh, even though it has not yet been completed. We're talking about these grapes that you're going to use for wine. So they're not finished there. They're not finished their processing yet. And so, according to the is since they're not finished their processing, Bringing it into the courtyard doesn't do anything. According to the B'yoshua, bringing it into the courtyard requires it even though it's not finished processing. Okay, that's the law of courtyard. Now we're going to apply it to Shabbat. The same thing. Hashcha belele Shabbat. You're sitting and eating clusters, and now it's on Friday afternoon, and now Shabbat starts. it He can finish it. Lo He cannot finish it. So here it looks like the B'yoshua Yoshua saying, why can't you finish it? Because... Even though these are incomplete pro- produce, because you didn't make wine out of it yet, however, once Shabbat starts, Shabbat designates it as obligated to bring baaser. That's the case. that's the opinion of Rabbi Yoshua. and here Rabbi Eliezer is the one that says, "Go ahead, continue eating." So what? Shabbat started. Shabbat does not designate. So you see, this proves that Rabbi Eliezer disagrees with the hypothesis above. Um, Okay, so this seems to be a pretty good proof against, but we're going to save him. Oh, you misunderstood. When Ebi says you can finish eating, he didn't mean that you can finish eating in the courtyard, but you can leave the courtyard and then you can finish eating. His point is that Entering into the courtyard is a problem because you can't, even if though it's unprocessed, you can't have it in the courtyard. But it doesn't make it permanently required, uh, obligated. Ma'amah said, just leave and then you can finish your snack. Whereas the says, once you enter the courtyard, it becomes permanently so. And similarly, when the Bieli says you can continue eating, he didn't mean that you're eating on Friday afternoon, Shabbat starts, you can even eat this on Shabbat, uh, because even though it's unfinished grapes that you didn't make wine out of yet, once Shabbat starts, he thinks that Shabbat does designate it, and there's no snack, there's no such thing as a snack on Shabbat, everything on Shabbat is onig, is a nice meal, nevertheless, it says once Shabbat finishes, then you can go ahead and finish the, the grapes, the point is that Shabbat, so it's, like, it's like Shabbat. Everything you eat on Shabbat is a, is a full meal, not a snack. Once Shabbat is over, then you can go back to snacking. So that's okay. Whereas Yeshua just disagrees on that point and says, once Shabbat designated it, the designation sticks and they have to bring Ma'asad even after Shabbat. And so with this, we're able to save the Eliezer and say that in fact, what we said before, Mozutra said, uh, to support his father of Nachman, and he brought a proof from Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer does, in fact, say that. And so now we have that Rabbi Eliezer agrees with this thesis, and Abbanan, um, at least we don't have a proof, so they probably disagree. And now we're going to get to the bottom line of Rabbi Yochanan's ruling, and Rabbi Yohanan's ruling is going to be against the hypothesis, which actually is a mekel position, because that means that you can snack on these things on, uh, on Shabbat. So let's see his ruling. And this ruling will include other similar cases. These four cases: If I have unfinished produce and I designate it for Shabbat, or I take Teruma from it, or I bring it into a courtyard, or I buy or buy, or buy and sell it. In all these cases, Kulan and All these actions do not make it obligated to bring a tithe unless you finish the processing. But unfinished, you can still snack on it even though you did these four things. And now we're going to bring four uh, sources um, that disagree with everything you said. Um, Disagree with these, but Rabbi Eliezer sticks to this anyway. Shabbat, why does he have to bother saying it on Shabbat? Does anybody disagree? Yes. Well, we saw that Rabbi Eliezer disagrees, but we don't bring him as a proof. We're going to bring yet another one, someone else who uh, agrees with the Baaliezer or agrees with the hypothesis of this uh, uh, above Rab Nachman. La pukei me Hilel also uh, said that Shabbat does designate. Okay, in the printed edition of the uh, of the of the Talmud. Bavli, it says, someone who is gathering fruit from place to place to reap it. Now, this doesn't really make any sense. What do you mean? You're gathering so that you can harvest it? And if you're gathering, it's already harvested. So the wording just doesn't make any sense. And in fact, this word does not belong at all. You see here, it's in the three printed editions, the top three lines, but it does not appear in any manuscript. Liksot. Expert has Liksot to put it aside, but um, it's not, never liksor. So this word is just a mistake. So we'll ignore it. Okay, so someone is gathering fruit and moving it from one place to the other. And the point on Friday afternoon. So the point is, it looks like he wants to use it on Shabbat. And then Shabbat started. alone. says, I cannot use that fruit. Even though it's not finished, this processing, because I said I'm moving it and I decided I'm going to eat it on Shabbat, Shabbat designates it as obligated in Maser. But you know, look at the words. Only Hilal says Asud. Everyone else says this Mutar. So Rabbi Yochanan says we don't follow Hilal in this case. And here's the second case. So um, here's a Mishnah: Someone who's moving uh, figs uh, to his courtyard to put aside to put make to the, dry them out. I think the word liksut over here maybe got moved. That's why it was mistakenly uh, uh, typed uh, uh, above. Um, okay, so you put some. Even though usually when you bring it into the courtyard, then that's that's designated. But I'm bringing it to the courtyard not to eat or to store, but rather to sit and dry out. And so in that case. Um, we're allowed to eat it. You can eat it as a snack because it's not obligated yet in Maaser. in this case says, since you brought it into the courtyard, even though it's not finished processing, because it didn't dry out yet, just bring it into the courtyard, makes it obligated in Maaser. So Rabbi Yaakov takes the stringent position, but Rabbi Yochanan says, we don't follow him. We follow the other opinions here. And it's okay. Third case, Tirumah, La Pukim Rabbi Aizer, tithnan Peroche Teraman, Achelonig Merama Lachtan, Rabio Eliazir Osed, Le Home Ara Khamim Matirien. Uh so if I have unfinished uh produce, I don't have to bring Tiruma or Mased. Let's say someone does go ahead and take Tirumah. Um, before they were finished, the uh, Surabi says you cannot eat it even in, you cannot eat it, not even in a temporary way. Because once you bring once you bring Tirumah, then you have to bring ma'aseh too. Achamim say, No, you brought Tirumah, it's a good luck to you, but still not unfinished, and that does not obligate it in ma'aseh. And Surabi Chanan follows the lenient opinion and the last case, mikah, adam dor dorsin. If I buy um, some dates uh, figs from an ama, someone who's not uh, somewhat careful but not, total, not very careful in Tuduma said, if it's in a place where most people like to dry press press and dry their figs. so these figs are not finished processing. Okay, now I have these figs that are not finished processing. I can eat them in a temporary way because they're unfinished, right? And so you see here, even though I bought them, buying them doesn't automatically make them obligated in ma'ased. So that's the, that's the main point. So we already saw the main point, but we're going to learn some other things from here. And uh, also de Mai, even though I bought them from an ama'aditz and they're unfinished, and usually, Ahmad's not so careful anyway, and for sure, if they're not finished and they weren't obligated, you might assume that for sure he didn't take to the Nevertheless, I can treat it like Demai. I can treat it like a doubtful case of so maybe he took to the Maybe he did take them even before. And so that's, and there's more, it's more lenient um, taking from Demai than it is from than it is from something that's for sure, Tebel. So that's the Mishnah, so we already saw, and we're going to learn three things from it, Shema Shema that's the first one, that's what we need for here, that buying something does not designate it as something that is complete, and, and would require maaser. even though I bought it, still don't have to take maaser. I can eat it as a snack, so that proves, um, this also proves what the Biyochanan says, this is uh, support for the Biyoh And another two things, we learn that most of my adits, they do take ma'asir. And that's why I can treat it as demai, because maybe they did, probably they did. And not only that, even though it's not completed, and I would assume, might, might assume that uh, Amaris would not take ma'asir before he sells it, Nevertheless, we can uh, treat it like the might and say that maybe he did, in fact, take Ma'asir. Okay, so this is all the proof for the Biochanan, and now this is the source that the Biochanan is rejecting. Before that was a breita before, this is a Mishnah now. If we barter and exchange fruits, you have, uh, uh, you have uh, apples, I have oranges, and we switch them. Or, or we take you know you're gonna you have apricots that you want to dry out I have figs that I want to dry out and we switch them or or you have fruit that is ready for eating and I have fruit that's ready for that wants to be dried and we swap those doesn't matter in all those cases chayav. so what do you see from here that bartering even if it's not ready to eat, um, it, whether it's ready or it's not ready, that's why lechol oliksot, even if it's not uh, not ready, chayav, um, I do have to bring, take ma'aset, even though it's not ready. Just the fact that I bartered and switched hands, that designates it as chayav and ma'aset, even though it still has to go and dry out. That is the stringent opinion that Rabbi Yochanan rejects. Rabbi O'Day disagrees with uh, Tanaka Ma'omel, Patur. If it's ready to be in, then yes, uh, I have to bring take maaser because it's finished the processing. But Patur, if it's for being dry for drying out, it's unfinished. And therefore I don't have to take maaser. that agrees with Rabbi Yochanan. Okay, congratulations on uh completing the fourth pitdock. By the way, you note here the English skips the last line. They don't translate it, and this is a good case of telutan, of skipping because of the same words that it ends on, even in the modern edition. So this, this is a common mistake in manuscripts, and um, amazing to uh, uh, to have it even in the modern edition where you think you'd have uh, proof checkers, uh, but hopefully they'll fix it in a future edition. All right, and now we begin. The fifth pedic, and that we start off with the topic of not working too hard on Yom Tov. Uh, although the opposite is, you don't want to have any financial loss, a lot of financial loss. So, what if you have, a, you have to balance these two, um, uh, these two goals? So, here's the case. Let's say you have some uh, fruit that's drying out on your roof, and you want, and else you'll see it's about to rain. And now you don't want it to get ruined. So you want to take all the produce, uh, this dried fruit on your roof and bring it inside. Are you allowed to do that? The answer is no. That's a lot of work to sit and gather it all and take it down the stairs, a lot of work. However, if you're lucky enough to have a skylight, then it's okay. You can just throw it all down the skylight and then you don't have to pick it up and put it in a basket and all that. You just uh, push it down. And that's okay on Yom Tov. So, but not about Shabbat Shabbat. So Yom Tov is a little bit more lenient that you can do a little bit of work for uh, to avoid financial loss. Another thing you can do is cover um, uh, produce that you have. It's out. It's outside, and you want to put a cover on it. Um, or, uh, in, or, or Maybe you could put clothing on top of it uh, so that the leak, so that the water doesn't come down on it. And so too, if you have open jugs of wine and oil and you want to cover them so that they don't get damaged because of water that's coming down, maybe there's a leak in your in your roof, so then that's okay. And now if there's a, um, a leak inside your house and now your house is getting ruined because of a leak, you want to put a pot to catch the leak, um, right? This happens today too, and with their back then, it must have happened more often. Um, you can do that not only on Yom Tov, even on Shabbat. So the last line you can do on Shabbat. The first line it says explicitly you cannot do on Shabbat. The middle two cases, it's not clear: would those be allowed on Shabbat or not allowed on Shabbat? Would they like the first case or like the last case? It's, un, it's ambiguous, and the Rishonim argue both ways. So. Uh, No, no, uh, no definite answer there. All right. Okay. Well, right now we're just going to do a a word analysis, a little vocabulary uh, here. The word mashilin, which means you can lower down uh, the fruit into the skylight. Some say mashilin and some say mashilin in there. But it's no difference. They, they're two words that are synonyms. Neither one is mistaken. Sometimes there's a, a reading of a of a mishnah. You say, "Oh, that's a mistake. You're right. You only remembered it wrong." But these are both valid versions of the mishnah. in the Kelalot, it says you'll have olives, trees without your your country. Um, but you have no oil because the olives will drop off. Yishal uh, zetecha, you know before being ripe. So, uh, so you see the word yishal means to drop down. Uh, so he, Mishnah is, is listing different blemishes that are not make a, make an animal invalid for a sacrifice. And one of them is shachul, which means that it's uh, one of its thighs was dislocated, slipped down from where it's supposed to be. And kasul is that one's higher than the other. So you see that the word shachul, mashilin, um, means lower down, at displaced, uh, not where it's supposed to be. So both words mean the same thing, and therefore both are appropriate. And now that you mentioned these synonyms, here are three words that are also synonyms, and they're found in different contexts, but they all uh, mean the same thing. Amarav Nachman bar lamishtabesh. These three words all mean the same thing. Uh, so let's see, what do, what do they mean? They also mean to fall off or to take off. Someone who is a nazir cannot cut his hair, and this Mishnah teaches he also cannot wash his head with clay. This clay, it, it's uh, very uh, harsh, and it causes his hair to fall off. Mashir is the word. So you see, mashir means to make fall off. fall off. This is a Mishnah, and regarding that if something, only if it's a vessel, can it receive 'ah. So if you have this, some kind of uh, a razor or scissors, even though they come apart, and now you have only one half of a scissor, uh, nevertheless it's because even a half of a scissor you can use, and even a detached razor Can also be used. The word for razor is shechor. Why is it called that? Because it removes hair. So you see a second word that means the same thing. And so the Mishnah in Shabbat, someone whose clothes fell off. So Nashru means to come off. And this is a case where a person's clothes came off in the water and they got all wet. Nevertheless, he's allowed to wear them and walk with them even while they're wet on Shabbat, even though people will look at him and say, hey, look, he's just walking with wet clothes. He must have just washed and coming out of the water. He must have just washed them in the water. And they'll suspect him of violating Shabbat. Says, Nevertheless, it's not a problem. He can walk with them. So that's one source or another equal source. Inamem <laughs> like That you have to leave to the poor. What is that? That which falls while you're reaping. So you leave it there for the poor person to take. So the word nosher also means to let fall down. And so now you see we have three words that all mean the same thing. Um, and uh, we could do a little bit more. Tenan. Okay, so the Mishnah, back to the actual Halakha, um, so you can lower down uh, the produce on Yom Tov. Ad Kama, question is how much? Let's see, you have a big roof and there's lots of figs on there. You know, might be, uh, might be hours of work. Even though even though you have a skylight, you're allowed to do that much work. We don't want people to work hard on Yom Tov. So Ad Kama, how much can you do? What's the maximum? Okay, we're not sure who said it. So either be Zerah said the name will be aseh or to be ase said the name his rabbi to be Ochan. we're going to compare it to another case on Shabbat that says, Mefanin. So let's say you have uh, some storage uh, area in your home and all of a sudden you have guests that come over and you need more room for them to sit or the students that come over and you can have a class and need more room for them to sit. So you're allowed to take four or five uh, sacks uh, um, of hay uh, or grain, and you can move them for the visitor. So four or five, you're allowed to move, but you can't go and take a whole warehouse and empty it out on Shabbat, even for guests, because that's a lot of work. So you see here, we have a good estimation of how much work is too much work on Shabbat. So it should be the same thing here regarding how, my, how, many, um, how much uh, uh, dried fruit you can save from the rain by putting it down the chute on Yom Tov. So that's the answer. But now we reject it for three reasons. Maybe you'll say, oh, you're only allowed to do that much in that case because of uh, Torah study and guests. So these are important things. You have to move them from mitzvah. But here you're not doing any mitzvah with them. You're just trying to save, uh, not trying to save money. Uh, which is also good, but not as important as a mitzvah. So maybe over here, you can only, you can do less than four or five kupot. Or maybe a second reason why you should be more machmir in the case of Yom Tov is that on Shabbat, Shabbat is very machmir. Everybody knows that it's a very severe punishment Shabbat is very strict. So even if we give permission to move four or five of them, the person is not going to come to uh, belittle Shabbat. However, Yom Tov, where you're allowed to cook and carry and, uh, and the punishment is less, now we allow you to do four or five of them, now you're going to really um, belittle Yom Tov in other ways, too. So maybe we have to be more on Yom Tov than we are on Shabbat. So maybe Shabbat is a lot of four and five, but Yom Tov, here's a second reason why it should be less. Or, now we have the opposite. We can argue the other way around. In that case, you're not losing any money. So, okay, a few people, the students will have to stand. The, uh, some of the guests will have to sit somewhere else. Um, it's inconvenient for them, but just no financial loss. But here, this is a case of financial loss. If we leave the fruit out in the rain, uh, they'll get ruined. So therefore, it's even, you're allowed to save even more than four or five basketfuls. So this is really interesting, these, uh, these two things that go the opposite way. Like, what's a bigger, more important reason to allow uh, uh, doing a little bit of work on the Shabbat or Yom Tov, is it too? Is it for mitzvah of guests and learning Torah? Or look out the last one, how how much we care about people's uh, uh, monetary loss, and so we try to prevent that also. Baruch Adonai l'olam. Amen. Ve'amen.